2 Corinthians is often called the guidebook to finding strength in suffering. Let's begin in verse 8 of chapter 1, where Paul refers to being under some sort of great pressure. So great, it says, that he cannot endure it. So great, Paul writes, that he despairs of life itself. Are you under some sort of great pressure today? Is it leading you to great despair, life out of control, great pressures that are unrelenting, that keep mounting, nothing seems to work out? And like Paul, you despair if things are ever going to work out? If anyone knew pressure, Paul did. In this 2 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 4, chapter 6, and 11, Paul lists some of the things, the great pressures he was under. Imprisonment, beatings, whippings, stonings, hardships, danger, under the weather elements, shipwrecks, poverty, hunger and thirst, mobs after him, and slander within the church, just to name a few. Eventually, years from now, Paul would die a martyr's death. But here to the Corinthians, he's wanting more time. He's wanting God to deliver him so he can accomplish more. If anyone can identify with and understand what sort of pressure you're going through and the despair that comes with it, Paul is that man. So if you're going through that today, I encourage you, get out your Bible, get out the Word of God, read 2 Corinthians 1, 4, 6, and 11, and it will motivate you to thrive under this pressure. Now, what I love about Paul, when you go to the next verse, verse 9, you see that he was transparent about his feelings. He had reached the point where he was not going to survive, so what does he do? In verse 9, he does not focus on the obstacle. He does not look at what's seemingly impossible but on the possibilities through the power of God. He said, these things happen, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on whom? God, who raises the dead. If Paul or you rely on yourselves, you're going to look at the impossibilities and be driven further and further into despair. You've got to change your focus. Take your eyes off the crisis and put your eyes on God. He's the one who has the power to raise people from the dead. Don't you know he has the power to help you as well? He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He will deliver you as he sees fit. Look at verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Now, please don't misunderstand this. Paul is not complaining. Paul is not griping about his situation. Paul fully expected to suffer on the account of of the cause of Christ. Jesus told him, you'll suffer. And Jesus told every one of us that we will suffer for the cause of Christ as well. Paul's not complaining here. Paul's telling us that his life is an adventure. This life of a Christian is an adventure. He does not regret his decision to follow Jesus. But what he's asking here is for more time. He's asking here to be able to continue in the adventure. It's not that he relishes the danger. It's not that he's looking forward to the pressures, but he loves Jesus so much and realizes that the only hope for people in this world is Jesus, that his whole life is passionately drawn to this adventure of growing the church of his Lord and Savior, Jesus. He's not seeking comfort. He's seeking strength here. See it? He's not seeking escape. He's seeking for more greater opportunities to share. His despair is not that he's suffering. His despair is that his life may end too soon and he won't be able to accomplish more for the kingdom of Christ. Oh, folks, in America, we sit in our pews. We are largely inoculated to the idea of the Christian life as an adventure. It's something we go to on a Sunday morning. The church, if it's going to grow worldwide in here, 
we must see our life as an adventure. When we think of God delivering us, we don't think of it as an adventure. We think of God allowing us to escape the suffering, to give us more comfort, to give us more money in the bank account, that extra addition to our house, to living a life of peace and ease. And that's certainly not true for many parts of this world. My son David was in India a couple months ago at a ministry conference of all ministers in Southeast Asia that attended. Thousands of, of them were there. In the one group that he was in, he was supposed to speak to as well. The men, 30 or 40 in that group, are there. And the person that's with him, the interpreter, gets before the group and says, Now by this time next year, half of you will either be in prison, or one of your family members will be killed, or you will be dead. David said, I don't know what to say to people like that. I expect that they were, half of them were going to walk out. But you know what they did? They said amen. And they got down to studying and being strengthened for the cause of Christ. You want this congregation to start truly growing and the churches in America to reverse their decline? It has to start with you. You have to accept this adventure in Jesus Christ to live the adventure set before you, whatever suffering that comes with it. We've got to get the attitude and the passion that Paul had in 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 10. Look at it. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. Skipping down a few verses to verse 10. Our hearts are aching, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. It's an adventure. People are always looking for adventure through their hobbies, through their activity, through their job, to break the monotony of life. They want the adventure. The greatest adventure in this life is to live the life Jesus has called you to live. It's a worldwide ministry. It has its risk, but the rewards far outweigh the risk. Let me ask you, if the future of this congregation in reaching the lost in this community of the world depended upon your life in Jesus, what sort of future do we have? Our responsibility to join that adventure. Now, unquestionably, those sufferings can cause us to want to give in and give up. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, twice, don't lose heart. You're a jar of clay, you're fragile, but God's surpassing powers shining forth in you. Let God's power shine in you. He'll deliver you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Walk by faith. Look to the eternal reward and don't be caught up and lose heart by looking at the temporal things of this world. How do you know it's true? How do you know you have these assurances? Well, look in 2 Corinthians 4 again. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you to him. You see, it's an adventure. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians one last time and look at verse 10 through 11. Here's one more. This adventure is to be lived with others. We need each other. Paul writes, on him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This adventure is to be done with others. We just don't want to come here on a Sunday morning in a group and worship. We want to be in touch with one another, in fellowship, in classes together, in small groups together, opportunities to get together so that we know how to pray for each other, to help one another in prayer. You see, we can pray. Prayer is not your last resort. It's the first option. It's the best option. Take everything to God in prayer. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through persecution in the world today. Pray for them daily keep their hope in Christ, to be resilient. Pray for this congregation to raise up people within us that will accept the adventure. 
Pray for people that you know that need strength in their time of weakness, faith to replace their fear. Pray for them to have joy instead of bitterness and peace of heart instead of their anxiousness. Pray for those around you. Join in the adventure with them. Prayer accomplishes a great deal.